In Mark 11 today, if you want to turn your Bibles to there, um, Mark 11 is one of the accounts in the Gospels that speaks about what, as Pastor Josh already shared uh, a bit about, what is historically known as Palm Sunday. And um, not every year do we spend time in this text. Uh, sometimes in the midst of other series, we, we do not. But I felt like it was important for us to step back there again this year and, and look at um, what is going on, not only in that setting, but with the people, and how that leads us into what is known as Holy Week. I absolutely believe that if we can't begin to understand or start to understand what is happening at the beginning of this Holy Week, our celebration and appreciation and worship of Easter Sunday will be less. And it's not that we have to have some theological um, dissertation to help us understand it, but it is a part of Scripture, and it's a part of Scripture that I think is very reflective uh, in this entry, not only of what Jesus is doing, but there's some other things for us who seek to follow Jesus with our lives. In fact, in this setting, what we see is we see people who are welcoming a king. What I would like us to kind of put in our minds and kind of just walk around and think about over and over today is how have you, how are you, how will you welcome the king? So as we're thinking about that, I'd like you to take a look at this video. So one of the ways that we are going to worship is by reading God's Word. Mark chapter 11, Mark's account says this. 
As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Triumphal entries like this were very common in those times. In the ancient world, kings would often, after out being on a battle and winning that battle, this procession, parade, would often come into the town and people would celebrate the conquest that the king was able to accomplish. It was very much a symbol of power and rule. It communicated to everybody that the king was king. Now, for Jesus, what we know is he had not just been out on the battlefield. But Jesus, not only in fulfillment of Scripture and following in obedience to God the Father and his plan, Jesus had intentionally planned not only the timing, but every detail of what was about to happen. First of all, he planned it. It was set to be in the time of the Passover. Now, the Passover was the time that pilgrims would come in from all of the countryside and they would gather in the town of Jerusalem. And as they gathered, they prepared to celebrate the Passover feast. There were also many other things going on at that time as a part of the Passover, but it led up to the Passover feast, which again was a remembrance of their freedom as as slaveries from Egypt, the Israelites, that is. So... It wasn't a quiet time. There was a lot going on. There were people in the town. It's kind of like eating during pork festival time, okay? Uh, Yeah, there's not only um, lots of people, there's statues of pigs everywhere. I don't think there were statues of pictures everywhere, but uh, it's why we love our town, right? It's great. But there was all kinds of hustle and bustle happening. Things were taking place everywhere, but it's as it was set to be. And the reason it was set to be, because Jesus was entering very specifically to communicate his kingship. But it was different than any other king, any other earthly king had ever set. You add into that, just not much long before, in fact in days before, there was this little event that took place. 
And in this event, what happened is a guy was dead and then he was alive. Lazarus was his name. Now, you do something like that, people are going to talk. People are not going to ignore that. And so it, it went viral. It was like the best of tweets ever, even though it wasn't tweeted, is that people who had heard about Jesus or who had not heard about Jesus now heard about Jesus because he did something that normal, common men do not do. The guy was dead, and then he was alive. Kind of a precursor of the things to come, right? But you add that. And so as people begin to hear, and they, they see a little commotion going on, and the colt being brought to Jesus, and then Jesus getting on the colt, and then they start to move their way outside of town into town. And what did they do? They welcomed him. They welcomed him. They welcomed him with screams and shouts and applause, throwing things down before him. They welcomed him. But let's think about crowds for a minute. You've all been in crowds. Some crowds are fun. Some crowds are not fun. But in every crowd, there are people that are truly in the crowd because they are engaged and believe in and passionate about what is happening. But there's also people in the crowd, they're there because there's a crowd. They have FOMO. They don't want to miss out on anything. And so they show up and whatever anybody else is doing, they're doing. Because you don't want to stand out in this point. You want to be a part of what's happening. It was true this day. And what Jesus was about to do is he was going to separate those whose hearts were set on him to welcome him as the king and separate those who were simply there because there looked to be a party going on. Because just remember what happens a few days later. Those cries turn from Hosanna to crucify. And so as Jesus comes in on this cult, some welcomed him, as I said, with hearts who were bowed before him. It didn't take a parade for them to commit their lives to Jesus. Even though they didn't fully understand, there were these messages that were weaving in, and what does it mean he's not going to be here? What it means, does it mean that he's going to be with the Father? If you remember, Jesus had been in uh, his earthly ministry for about three years now. There was much teaching, many miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 a couple of times going on in the midst of this. And some in those various settings had welcomed the king for the very first time into their heart. But Jesus, in setting up, following prophecy, leading into the time of the coming events of Holy Week, knew that there were people in the crowd, that they may have looked from the outside like everybody else. They had preconceptions of him. And for some, it was an opportunity. Hey, let's get in the midst of this crowd. Let's kind of rub elbows with some of these people who call him King and Messiah, and let's just see really if this thing is for real. 
but they had already decided in their mind what Jesus should be, what he shouldn't be, when he should be, where he should be, you name it. Here's what I want us to think about. This entrance into Jerusalem, I believe, is incredibly symbolic in how we respond to it as Jesus' desire to enter into our hearts and our lives. That means everything. That means that in this small road that he was entering in into this town, for people who have committed their life to Jesus, it's not just the interstates of our lives that are public and big and lots of people are on. It is the private back road that not many people know about of our hearts. Is Jesus still welcome to there? I know for many of you, you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. But you know as well as I do is that that is not a one-time commitment. Salvation is taken care of when we believe in who Jesus is and what he's done. That is taken care of. But it is a continual surrender of our life into those back roads, into those places where we thought we may just keep from Jesus for a little bit. Maybe not ill-intentioned. But once again, in this entrance into Jerusalem, Jesus is saying, are you going to preconceive who I am, or are you going to allow me to be who I am to be? And that is your Savior, that is your Lord. You see, Easter looks very differently if you are a part of the crowd that's just waving, and oh man, this is fun, yeah, good, yeah, we're having a good time. Versus those who are in the midst of, of surrendering their hearts and their lives. And there's actions that we'll see in a moment that, that communicate that. I think in this Holy Week, one of the things I want to challenge us to, this is not a normal week. Do not make it a normal week in your life. If you're going to do everything you always do every week at all of the time, I'm telling you, take some time this afternoon. Step back. I know you have responsibilities. You have kids to take places. You have jobs to do. But in that, I beg of you, look at Holy Week as a time to reflect on welcoming the King into your life anew. It doesn't mean what you did didn't work. It doesn't mean that Jesus has somehow changed and he's better than he was before. No, but he wants to reveal more of himself to you in this place in your life. Look at John 14, 6. You, many of you know this passage of text. 6 and 7. Jesus answered. This is when Thomas is like, well, how do we know? Because we don't know where you're going. How do we know you? How do we know where you're going? We don't know what that's all about. Jesus answered. And he's so good at this, isn't he? He gets right to the point. He basically says, Thomas, don't worry about where I'm going, but let me tell you. He'll address that later. He does. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7 says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Why this is so so relevant and so important in this entry into Jerusalem is this. Again, these words were spoken at another time. But we have to decide this Holy Week, 
this year, in this season in our lives, who is Jesus? And if Jesus is based solely on what your preconceptions are or who you may have experienced to be or may not have experienced him to be, then your understanding will not be fully the way, the truth, and the life. I'll tell you what happens. What happens in me? What happens in you? The longer we follow Jesus, we tend to add to Jesus. We tend to bring this in and this in and this in. And it's not that we're running from God. It's not that we're running away from Jesus. But I know in my life there are times I need to come back to the way, the truth, and the life. Period. Period. And it's not that all the other stuff, the experience, the testimonies aren't important to me, but there is one thing that is the most important, and that's what God's Word says about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And this, so many times, which is what was going on in this entry, is that people, some of those kind of, yeah, woo, this is great, not surely what's happening, I heard he's going to maybe take things over, okay, in the midst of that, we can follow Jesus and want him simply to change our circumstances. We want him to come in and just change our circumstances. I can't tell you the number of prayers in my life are, Jesus, just change this. And what I'm learning more and more is Jesus says, I don't want to change your circumstances. I can and I will, but here's what I want to do first. I want to change your heart. I want to be the Lord of your circumstances, not the fixer of them. And so as he's riding in, he is declaring in a very peaceful way salvation that he is bringing as king. But it's not from Roman rule. It's not from other oppressors. It's from ourselves. It's from our sin. And it is us coming to belief in who Jesus is. I mean, down to the finest of details. A donkey. You know, I said in first service, and, you know, you got this, I mean, they're funny looking, right? They're just funny looking. Call them a colt, a foal, a donkey. But, you know, they're an animal that my daughter Danielle will see, and she's like, oh, isn't so cute? Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the Eeyore thing, and they're just, you want to cuddle them, but they're a little big for that. But it's not a symbol of strength and power. That was exactly the point. Jesus wanted people, was moving, and might I say, forcing people to understand him for who he was, not who they wanted him to be. We're guilty of it all the time. And so they bring this colt, this donkey. He's short, he's stout, he's a little plumpy. And they lay a cloak on him, and Jesus begins to ride him. It's not a strong, muscular, white stallion. But it's what Jesus wanted people to understand. He wanted them to understand that his primary goal was not to conquer a kingdom on this earth. His primary goal, his primary goal was 
to set people right with God. And so it wasn't military might. It was peace and humility. And it fulfilled exactly what the prophet Zechariah said. Look at this in 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. One of the things I love about this text, it doesn't say that in coming in peace, humility, that he's not victorious. No, he's victorious. He will be victorious. But it is in a very different way than the kings they're used to seeing. Jesus shows in this very detail that what he is to give, the gift that he has, is the gift of life, not of conquest. It's the gift of changing hearts, not changing circumstances. It's the gift of deliverance from ourselves and our sin, not our oppressors and whatever ever bothers us. You see, we welcome the King Church when we say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of every circumstance. And if you so choose by your will to change the circumstance, I will praise you for it. But if you choose not to change my circumstance, and for some reason I must continue to live in that, is that you are still going to be my King. Jesus is driving a messianic interpretation of what's happening here. Only in the way that Jesus can do it. You've got this crowd, they're frenzied, they're, 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 they've worked themselves up. We've been in crowds, right? Even when we're maybe not the ones most passionate about whatever you're gathered for. And next thing you know, you're going nuts and it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? And you walk away and it's like, oh my, what, what, what went on here? You get caught up in it. Some of you I know aren't as high-strung as I am, so you may not get caught up as quickly. But there's something about the energy of a crowd. There's something about the momentum, something about um, just uh, the, the energy that takes place. Let me be clear. This going on here was more than just some rah-rah energy. This can't be explained simply as a nice little new age. People were just feeling it. No. Supernatural. That's what's taking place here. Supernatural, which is why welcoming the king is all the more important in our lives. How do you interpret Jesus today? Well, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says this. What does the word of God say? Here's how I want us to focus this week. How I want us to live into Holy Week this week. And I don't do this a lot, and I do it very intentionally. You can talk to the other pastors, we talk about it. You can talk to elders. I don't typically say, do this this week, because honestly, I believe as a man of God is that where I should go for my conviction and where I should go to know specifically how to be obedient is to the Lord. Now, I I appreciate that many of you look at me and say, well, just give me some ideas. I appreciate that. But what I'm about to say, if you do this because your pastor said it, I'm telling you, it's not the right heart. I want you to do it. And if I wanted to manipulate you, I could probably figure out how to do that. But I want you to do this because it's essential to welcoming the king. 
And it must be between you and your word of God. Whatever copy you have before you, the word of God must interpret Jesus for you. And so I want to challenge you this week. It's going to be a different week. I want to challenge you 20 minutes a day to read one of the Gospels and learn about what it says about Jesus. It may be what he says, why what he does, how people respond to him. Here is why that's important. It's important if we are going to celebrate Easter as truly as the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for salvation for us, we must know Jesus. I know many of you know Jesus, but when's the last time you took every experience you had, every testimony from anyone else and said, those are good, praise God for them, but in this time of focus, I'm going to lay those down and I'm not going to go on just what I've experienced. I'm not going to go on just what somebody else has testified, although they're very good. This week, primarily, 20 months today, in the Gospels, I'm going to look to see what the Word of God says about Jesus. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will reveal something that an experience and perhaps a testimony has never revealed. Amen? Church, I don't want us to drift. I don't want us... To come next week full of pomp and circumstance. I'll tell you right now, this stage isn't going to look a whole lot different. We're going to have a few lilies in here. But that's not what's going to make it Easter Sunday. Yeah, we'll sing about Jesus being risen. But what if we couldn't? That's why I want us in God's Word this week. I want us to be in one of the Gospels 20 minutes a day. And... and Lead your kids and your grandkids in this, but I'm telling you this, do it yourself. And read one or multiple ones of the Gospels. And look specifically at who Jesus is. You, imagine, just imagine what celebration of Easter is going to be like next Sunday. If we've been in God's Word this week, learning about who Jesus is. And maybe you don't tell a soul that you're doing it. Test your motive. So we've got this entry. We've got Jesus in some ways symbolizing to each and every soul, how have you welcomed me? Just because the crowd has or because you truly have and are? So the next thing that happens in this setting, as I addressed it briefly, is that they start proclaiming Jesus as king with their actions. So palm branches, and John, I believe it's John, is the only one who talks specifically about palm branches. Like in Mark and others, they just talk about branches from the field, whatever. They went and got these and brought them in. Great thing. It's, a, it's an act of celebration. And they're, they're throwing these down on the ground. They're waving them at him. These were signs of respect and honor and welcoming. But they were very specific practices. And while some, yes, whose hearts were not in it, others there were. But then there's this other thing that's going on. And we don't really know for sure 
the difference of it. But there are individuals who are throwing their cloaks down. Cloak is an outer garment. They did not have a nice selection in their closet of 14 cloaks. They typically had one. Take your best coat. That's what you're putting out. Donkeys walk on it. Donkeys do what they do after they walk on it. I wonder if those who threw the cloaks, hearts, were more aligned with Jesus than the, one that has, the ones that had the branches. I, I don't know this. I know I'm jumping out here a little bit. But the commitment to throw your cloak down was definitely a greater commitment than a palm branch. I'm going to go take a palm branch from this guy's field and come in and wave it at him. No, I'm going to take my own personal coat as a sign of submission and surrender, and I'm going to throw it down, and whatever happens to it, whatever happens to it. It doesn't matter, because my king, I helped usher his way in, not just to a city, but to my heart. You see, our actions must follow our time in God's Word. If the, God, the Word of God is working in us, it will work through us, which means we will not contain it. We will act upon it. I've not seen a person yet whose heart wasn't committed to God word, God's Word that didn't change what they did. That's a part of our salvation. So I'm going to give you another thing that I'd like us to focus on this week. In addition to being in God's word for 20 minutes each day. To learn more anew the person of Jesus. It goes back to our invite some bunny to Easter. I was reading statistics and um, statistics from just a few years ago. um, Based on research of like 2,500 people was that um, upwards of two-thirds, 67% of people respond favorably or very positively to being invited to church. I have to ask myself the question, then why aren't they in church? Well, they have a responsibility. We know that. Everybody has a decision to make. We make a decision every week if we're going to be a part of worship or etch or one another group, whatever it may be. But here's what I wonder. How many people would come and they're just waiting for somebody to ask? It's huge, church. And I will say, I don't want to reserve this for Easter Sunday. This is not about filling seats and rah-rah, frenzy crowd. Ooh, we had so many people on Easter. No, this is about hearts being changed for the kingdom. That's what it's about. But I'm here to tell you, that involves you. So I've already been thinking. I was mowing yesterday, and I was praying through who I'm going to ask. I've got a couple already that I'm prepared to ask. And if I could be so bold, I'm going to ask you to do it in a certain way. Don't send them a text. Don't send them a message on Facebook or some other social media. Either talk to them face-to-face or give them a call. Here's why I believe that's so important. 
There are churches that take different approaches. Some churches send flyers. I got a church yesterday, uh, a flyer yesterday to go to church. Good news is I'm coming here on that on next Sunday. Uh, maybe not good news. I don't know. We'll decide later, right? But um, that's fine. We've sent mailers before. But if we are going to share life and share Christ so that people can welcome the king into their lives, I want them to see the king in your lives. That's what's going to draw them to the king. We know it is the work of God in you and through you. But it is, there is something about, and this is what people always yearn for. They yearn for community. Now we know We've all been there. What they need is Jesus. That's what we need. But community, something about being together in community that is focused spiritually on Jesus Christ is what connects people to a church. We did not send flyers this year. We talked about it. We did not do it because I think that that's not what sharing life and sharing Christ means. You can give money in a plate. We can put it and buy a nice, shiny, slick flyer. But I want people to meet the Eaton Community Church, the people that make it up. It's you. It's an action that takes boldness, and it's scary. But I encourage you, don't worry about what they're going to say. Don't worry how they're going to respond. Leave that to the Lord. But be obedient in this church. Again, you don't have to share with who you invite or who you don't invite. But look at your family. Someone maybe you haven't seen in a while. Somebody you know that ever, never has darkened the door of a church. Say, will you come to church with me? And I believe that we will help people welcome the king. The final little aspect of this story has to do with the words. These words followed the actions or uh, simultaneous, more like it. And we know how to sing praises. We just did it. We just sang it out, Hosanna. It's a fun way to do it. But I want you to do something for a minute. Okay, it's going to be fun. Okay, so right here in this aisle on over, okay? I want you guys to stand up if you're able physically to stand up, okay? I want you to stand up a minute. Get ready, okay? Okay, I want you to turn to each other, okay? Yeah. Oh, you go to church here. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So turn to, turn to the aisle right here. Okay. Turn to the aisle. It's like getting youth to make a circle. They can never do it. My goodness. All right, turn to the aisle. Okay, I know it's going to stretch you a little bit. Okay, what I want you guys to do is I want you to turn. You don't have to get up yet, but I just want you to face the wall. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Face this, just turn toward the wall. Okay, pressure's off. Nobody's watching you except everybody who's in it. Okay, what I want you to do right now is I want you to raise your hands, and I want you to scream and shout the loudest you can. Okay, we always hear the kids scream, and it's like, oh, what are they doing? Now, they're going to say that about us, okay? So, hands up, and on the count of three, you all right here, you guys look at the wall. All right. Okay, I want you as loud as you can. Sorry, I'm getting feedback, Dick. I want you just to scream for like five seconds, okay? 
hoop, holler, whatever. One, two, three. Woo! All right. You know what's coming. All right, you guys sit down. This side, up. Face each other. Yeah, I should have made Joy go first. All right. <laughs> Face each other. Okay, you guys, look at the wall. Remember, we wouldn't let them look at you, okay? I know. <laughs> Josh wants to know if he's allowed to use his mic. No. <laughs> okay, so you know the routine on the count of three, okay? You're facing it towards each other. Everybody's hands up on the count of three. One, two, three. Woo! All right, give yourself a round of applause, everybody. All right. Who won? <laughs> We're just going to tell Joy she won, okay? <laughs> it's silly. But that's just a piece of what this praise looked like that morning with shouts of Hosanna. But in the midst of that, I have no doubt in my mind is that people were weeping, some who were screaming, Hosanna. They had welcomed the king. And this was yet another opportunity to welcome the king with their words. I mean, it's kind of like when the championship team comes into town. And the community is called out as the buses go through the small town because the team just won a championship. Yeah, we know in the scheme of life, it's not all that significant. But I'll tell you, if you've ever been on the sidelines or in that bus, when that happens, there's nothing like it. But this is greater than winning a championship. This is an opportunity for us to praise Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Look at this passage of scripture from Psalm 118. Psalm 118 says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And then again in Psalm 116, referencing to this word Hosanna. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Have you been there? You know if you've been there. And it's not necessarily the first time you welcome Jesus as king into your life. It's in those moments when you just can't go on and you don't know what else. And everything goes away but Jesus. See, that's why we have to understand what Scripture says about Jesus. Even if we already know it, go back and meditate on it. In the midst of it, cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save me. I talked to a dear woman in this church that many of you know and love. She's going through an immense, an immense amount of grief right now. And she came in this week and sat in my office and she said, Dan, before I share what's been going on, and I knew of some, she said, I just want to tell you, Jesus. And it wasn't because she had got a lot of good things to share. She is in the midst of pain and hurt that is somewhat inconceivable along with her grief. But she wanted to know 
that I knew Jesus is the only thing right now for me. I wanted to stand up and scream, Hosanna. You see, we can celebrate a holiday next week. We can walk through a week and pretend that it's a little bit different and do some things. But I want us as a church to approach this holy week welcoming the king in any and every opportunity. Most of them perhaps are going to be private between you and your Lord. I want you to do as Isaiah 30 says. Look at this. This is what the sovereign Lord Isaiah says, the Holy One of Israel says, and repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. And then he says these words that, that ring so deep in my heart when I read them. And it scares me. Because I never want those last words of that passage of Scripture to apply to me more than they already have before I came to welcome the King. Isaiah says, you would have none of it. Church, we have an incredible opportunity to cry out to God in prayer this week for the joys, the challenges, the celebrations, and the struggles. But I pray that in the midst of all of that is Hosanna. I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to close in a song that is not Hosanna, but much like it. And it is a proclamation of how great our Lord is. I'm not sure where you stand today spiritually, but I beg of you to pay attention that Jesus is leading us to the cross this week. We can be on the sidelines talking about all of what we think Jesus should be or we can march toward the cross with Him as we learn and cry out to God as we study His Word. But I want us to launch into this holy week in a song of praise. And if you're most, if, it is, if it's best for you to praise sitting in your seat, then you do that. If it's best for you in being able to acknowledge the king and welcome him standing up with arms held high, then I invite you to do that. If in repentance and rest, it means you must come to this altar this morning because it's some, somehow, some way, you've stopped welcoming the king into your life, then I invite you to come be at the altar. But what I beg of you is that you will not miss these moments together as a spiritual community that we are about to have to worship the King. If you would stand as I pray over you. Father, receive our worship. Receive our welcoming, our invitation for you as we move into this holy week of 2019 is that God, all that we have known, we praise you for. All that we have experienced, we praise you for. All of the testimonies we've heard about you, Jesus, we praise you for. But God, we need more of you. Jesus, we need more of you in our life. May we welcome you and may we begin that right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray.